Just a heads up before you listen to this episode, it briefly discusses child sexual abuse and may be triggering for some listeners. Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about, and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship, and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th, so grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you, and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. decades, Ellen DeGeneres has dominated the television industry. But the journey there was littered with so many highs and lows, hers is now one of the most complicated celebrity legacies. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Well, hi. Hi. How are you? I am really good. And I i know we say this every time. I feel like the world's most broken record. Get ready to roll your eyes, everyone. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might be excited week in, week out because we just really fucking love celebrity. Ooh, I'm sorry that I love my job. I love it. This is the first episode in our two-part series on the highs and lows of Ellen DeGeneres. I guess both of us really wanted to do this when we started watching the last ever episode of Ellen mm. air and we saw, you know, in the last season of that show she had people like Michelle Obama, Kim Kardashian, Jennifer Aniston, Billie Eilish still front up and be interviewed by her despite the controversy that the show was embroiled in in the year prior or the year or two prior, I should say. Yeah, as you just hinted to, it's been a really colourful time in the public eye for Ellen. Back in 2020, of course, staffers on the show reported a toxic work environment on set which sparked an investigation and resulted in Ellen giving a televised apology. Less than a year later, she announced the end of that iconic talk show. The final episode did air at the end of May. This episode is not about that controversy at all. This episode is actually about the rise of Ellen and how Ellen really carved a career for herself in the public eye, how she came out to the world and the implications of that on her career. So let's go all the way back, Mish. Let's go all the way back to 1958 to, of course, when Ellen was born. All 
right, guys. Ellen was born in Louisiana in 1958, and she had one sibling, a brother named Vance, who now works as a writer and producer in Hollywood. So they both ended up in pretty similar fields. Yeah, 100%. Now, Ellen said that as a child, growing up in New Orleans, she always had this desire to be famous and to have money. She once told W Magazine, I wanted to have money. I wanted to be special. I wanted people to like me. I wanted to be famous. When you're growing up and you see your brother who's talented and gorgeous and all these things, you want to be all those things. I thought if I could find a way to be famous, people would love me. I actually really appreciate people who come out and say, I wanted to be famous. Well, I like the candor. Also that idea of like, I wanted people to love me. I think there are a few people in the world who wouldn't say to some level, Mm. they just want to be loved, be it by- Be liked, yeah. Be it by, you know, people they know or people they don't know. Yeah. Now, Ellen's parents split up when she was a teenager. She ended up living with her mum and said that the two of them kind of became like roommates. Here's a quote she gave to Good Housekeeping. She'd been married for almost 20 years and I watched my mum go through a tough time trying to date, trying to figure things out. She dated some horrible men who I had to kick out of the house. So at 13, I kind of became an adult and was taking care of watching her struggle. It made me go, oh, you're my mum, but you're just a human being. I saw her in a different role all of a sudden. It's a very unique experience, I think, watching your parents go through a split and realising that they are their own people, they have their own flaws, and they are vulnerable. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of split or no split. It's that point when you realise your parents don't just exist as your parents in the world. Like, they are their own people outside of all of that. She was pretty young to realise that, though. It was around this time that Ellen discovered her knack for humour. She said she hadn't always felt naturally comedic. She actually later told a magazine... I was quiet as a kid and wasn't funny until I was a little older. Then I remember being funny because I remember people laughing. But she said, and I quote, she'd watch people's behaviour and notice things. I think that's why I became a comedian. I noticed how stupid the things we do are. I started noticing all these behaviours. Then I started writing songs and that turned into comedy. Ellen later told the New York Times that when her mum was going through some difficult times, and I quote, I would start to make fun of her dancing. Then she'd start to laugh and I'd make fun of her laughing. And then she'd laugh so hard she'd start to cry and then I'd make fun of that. So I would totally bring her from where I'd seen her start, going into depression to all the way out of it. As a 13-year-old kid, I learned I could manipulate people that way. That's a really powerful thing. I also saw that I could make someone happy. Yeah, now Ellen's mum eventually remarried a guy called Roy Grassendorf and they ended up moving to Texas altogether. But this is where Ellen's story takes a pretty awful turn because Ellen later revealed that when she was around 15 or 16, she was actually sexually abused by Roy. Yeah, this story is a really awful one. Her mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer and her stepfather Roy apparently told Ellen that he needed to feel her breasts for lumps too. He tried to do this on a couple of occasions and at one point Ellen said that he actually tried to break down her door. So, and I quote, I kicked the window out and ran. Ellen sadly didn't tell her mum what happened until a few years later and when she did tell her mum about this incident or multiple incidents actually, her mum didn't believe her and stayed with Roy, stayed married to him for 18 more years. Certainly a hard and more complicated element to the story to stomach for sure. Now, Ellen went on to study at the University of New Orleans. She majored in communications but after one semester she dropped out and started doing stand-up. Also turned out she had a pretty quick knack 
for comedy straight away because she became the MC at Clyde's Comedy Club in 1981 and took off on a national tour very soon after. She was about 23 at this point. In 1982, so a year later, she was actually crowned Showtime's funniest person in America. She's so young. She's 24. Also... I would never want to be crowned America's funniest person. No. Such a big sort of platform to fall from. Yeah, and comedy is so subjective. As soon as you have an award like that, people are going to go, well, she's not the funniest to me. Even if she is like the most popular comedian in the country. Now, she was really known, Ellen was really known for her wholesome brand of humour. She told Entertainment Tonight that she tried to tell jokes, and I quote, that everyone can enjoy and go home and tell their grandma and their two-year-old. Anything that makes an audience uncomfortable, I know not to do next time. It wasn't always an easy ride, though, this kind of desire to not offend or upset anyone didn't always pay off. One night in a club in San Francisco, a bunch of men in the front row at her show actually stood up, turned their chairs around and faced the other way during the performance. The audience was then laughing at that night's MC who said over and over again, one more time for the funniest person in America. Of this experience, Alan said, I was crying. I wanted to go home and get out of the business. I thought, this is the worst business. It's so cruel. Yeah, but she stuck with it and she got better. She got an agent and her bookings improved. When she was 26, she told Entertainment Tonight that she had big dreams. She said, I hope to be in acting. I want to do films. I want to do TV and definitely expand into a career both dramatic and comic. Maybe have my own series, do some dancing. I adore this quote because she did go on to do all of those things. Yeah, I mean, she's been a dramatic actress. She's done like feature films. She's voiced animations. She's had her own show. She's She's known for dancing. Exactly. Like it's crazy to think that at 26 she could kind of project all of this for herself. In fact, it was only two years later in 1986 when she turned 28 that she got a really big break in the industry. She performed a stand-up routine on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson and became the first female comedian ever invited onto that show for a chat. Feels very (laughs) 1980s, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. Now, gradually she landed more late-night TV talk show appearances and over the coming years scored a slew of small TV roles in shows like Open House and Laurie Hill. Regarding the latter show, Laurie Hill, it was cancelled after just four episodes, but... The producers did see something in Ellen. She sort of had stolen the show with one newspaper writing at the time that while her appearance was brief, it is sufficient to raise speculation she would make a more enjoyable character in her own program. Yeah, and that's exactly why producers offered Ellen her biggest role yet as the lead in a TV sitcom playing a character called Ellen Morgan. She was a neurotic bookstore owner in her 30s. At this point in time, Ellen DeGeneres is 36 years old. So yes, you could look at this and say, well, she had considerable success in her 20s, but to land her first proper TV show at 36, it's not like this all came super easy for her. Yeah, the show, which actually aired at the start of 1994, was originally called These Friends of Mine for season one, and it was a show about a group of single people living in LA. But the show's title was subsequently changed to Ellen for later seasons so as to not be confused with another little series that was coming out that September called Friends. Such a good fact. I I love this tidbit so much. Must have been a huge deal for them to change the name of a television show after a season. Yeah. And I want to know what they knew about Friends because they changed it before Friends 
had properly launched. Yeah. So what did they know about this show and how big it was going to be that they thought, even though we were here first, we're going to change our name? Which is so funny because when we've spoken about Friends in the Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie episode – The way people talk about Friends is it wasn't that big in season one. No one really knew what we were doing. It was when we kind of got Ross and Rachel together that that show took off. So it's interesting to read this and go, well, clearly it was still pretty big, even if people didn't realise how big it was going to get. Yeah, well, other people in the industry were clearly threatened, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, Ellen's show was successful enough to land a further three seasons, but it was perhaps most famous for season four, in which Ellen, both on screen and off screen came out as gay. Yeah, so by this point, people have been pretty curious about Ellen's sexuality for years. According to Time magazine, Ellen's, and I quote, all pants wardrobe and sometimes awkward chemistry with male co-stars was provoking curiosity from fans and reporters long before her sexuality became a minor national obsession. But Ellen had never publicly disclosed her sexuality. She later said, I always thought I could keep my personal life separate from my professional life. In every interview I ever did, everyone tried to trap me into saying I was gay. And I learned every way to dodge that. Or if they just blatantly asked me, I would say, I don't talk about my personal life. I mean, I really tried to figure out every way to avoid answering that question for as long as I could. Mm, So that was publicly. Privately to many of her close friends and colleagues, Ellen was already out as a gay woman and her writing staff already knew her story. But she did want the character on the show to come out as gay and to publicly come out as gay herself. In September 1996, news leaked to the press that Ellen wanted to have her on-screen character wrangle with being a lesbian. Yeah, and when this news was leaked, the public and the press became obsessed with the rumour. And it wasn't just that. People also took this news as an indication of real-life Ellen's own sexuality and they really wanted answers, Mish. Yeah, so there were a series of TV interviews towards the end of 1996 where all of the focus was on these coming-out rumours. Then, in March 1997, so about six months after these rumours start surfacing, ABC, the network behind the show, officially announced that the character Alan Morgan would be coming out in a special one-hour episode on the last day of April. Kind of confusing that they do have the same name. Just pointing out the complete obvious right now. Yeah. But to tell this story, it is a bit (laughs) hard. On April 15 that year, a then 39-year-old Ellen appeared on the cover of Time magazine with the headline, Yup, I'm Gay, marking the first time that she had spoken on the topic candidly. Now, Ellen told Time that coming out was, and I quote, the most freeing experience because people can't hurt me anymore. Yeah, she went on, I don't have to worry about somebody saying something about me or a reporter trying to find out information. I don't have anything to be scared of, which I think outweighs whatever else happens in my career. She added, I was thinking, what's the thing anyone could ask me right now or say about me? And it's like nothing really. I mean, not even Howard Stern can hurt me now. Yeah, two weeks later on April 30, 1997, the day that the special episode would go to air, that special episode of Ellen's character coming out on the show, Ellen DeGeneres appeared on the Oprah Winfrey show. Oprah asked in this interview whether Ellen had expected it to turn into all of this, of course referring to the fanfare and the backlash, to which Ellen replied, I mean, I knew it would be big, but I had no idea it would be this big. Yeah, she also explained to Oprah that her decision to come out, both on the show and in real life, was the result of a dream. She told Oprah, 
I was holding a tiny finch in the palm of my hand in the dream. I could feel how much I loved this bird and that it was safe in my hand and I was reaching in to put it back in its cage. And as I was putting the bird back in, I realized that the cage was against a window and the bird could fly out. And the bird looked at me and wanted to fly out, but I looked at the bird and said, but you're safe in here in a beautiful cage, don't leave. And the bird just looked at me and flew out the window. Ellen said that at that moment she realised she herself was living in a cage and being able to come out would be so hugely freeing for her. She explained, you know, people say, why do you have to tell everybody? Who cares and why do you have to announce it? It's because it's your truth and the truth shall set you free. Ellen also shared how hard it was for her to come out to some people in her life. She said when she first came out to her dad and her stepmother, they struggled with the news. Here's a snippet of her telling Oprah about that moment. But uh, my, my father was a, a little harder because he's very religious and I thought he would have a hard time with it. But he's the kind of guy that, you know, I love you for wh- whoever you are, but, you know, I don't understand it and let's never talk about it again. Mm. You know? <laughs> So um, at the time you told your dad, he was with, you know, an, his new wife mm-hmm. right, and your stepmother. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened? Um, well, actually, he he told me that he figured it out. I was upset about something and he kept saying, did you rob a bank? Did you kill somebody? Did you? And I kept saying, you know, no, I, you t- I just don't want to tell you. And finally, I told him and he, actually he told me. And uh, then they asked me to move out of the house. Mm-hmm. And. Um, so because uh, she had two little girls that they worried that it would influence them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was still everything was fine. It was just they didn't want me living in the house with the two little girls, which mm-hmm. really hurt because I, I loved them, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I understood it. I understand p- people not understanding. I'm fine with that. I can't I can't, you know, change anyone's mind. So that was just their response. That snippet is really difficult to listen to because, number one, it feels like at this point in history, Ellen had to placate the audience at all costs. Like she had to continually say, oh, I understand why people don't get it and I need to make room for people who treat me badly and everyone's been so lovely and loving towards me coming out as if like they're all doing her a favour by letting her exist as a gay woman. When she had been kicked out of her home because of homophobic parents who had equated her lesbianism to some kind of issue with being a role model or whatever. Like her actual experience was horrific, but she had to play it off to the public as if everyone had been so great towards her when that was the opposite of the truth. Yeah, absolutely. She also explained on the show, when you're gay, you spend your whole life thinking that people wouldn't like you if they found out you were gay. She told Oprah that she'd always felt like it wasn't really anyone's business to know who she was dating, though hiding it was starting to become really hard. She said, eventually, I realised that as long as I had this secret that I worried about all the time, I made it look like something was wrong. Mm, This interview had some pretty appalling moments looking back. Oprah did invite several homophobic people to come speak on the show and to stand up and kind of spew out their homophobia to Ellen and then have Ellen respond to it. And look, looking back, you could say, well... Oprah really let down her friend in Ellen at this moment, which I think is true. 
But I can also imagine the network would have demanded this of Oprah because at the time homosexuality was somehow deemed so controversial that they felt like they needed to air the op- like the opposing argument or something. Yeah, like you need to present both sides if we're presenting it at all. I agree with that, but also I think it would be remiss of us to ignore how much power Oprah still had at this point in her oh, career. Absolutely. It wasn't the start of her career. And I feel like she was so profitable and so valuable to that network. I think she probably could have overruled if she wanted to. We are going to delve more into the climate at this time, Mish. But first, a word from today's sponsor. All right, Zara. So to appreciate how big Ellen DeGeneres coming out as gay was, we need to give some context. This was all happening in 1997, and that was a time where there was still a heap of stigma about being gay. Yeah, so for some context, the World Health Organization had decided to remove homosexuality as a form of illness in 1990. Seven years before. Seven years before. The American Medical Association had only followed suit four years later in 1994, so three years before Ellen came out. There had been gay characters in television shows, but Ellen's character on her television show would be the first gay lead. Time magazine pointed out that it would be totally groundbreaking to have a gay television character who was not entirely sure of her sexuality Mm. yet and still figuring it out. Because a lot of minor gay characters on TV at this time were very out and proud about it, but there was not as much nuance to the conversation. Yeah, it was almost like there was a stereotypical mould for what a gay person, I'm putting that in inverted commas, looks and sounds like. And that was always flamboyant. It was always one kind of kind of character. And Alan was presenting a very different viewpoint. But TV shows had, if anything, become more conservative over the previous few decades as well. Time magazine actually interviewed Marta Kaufman, the co-creator and executive producer of Friends for the piece, and she complained that they weren't allowed to show an actual condom on Friends, even though Seinfeld had a few seasons earlier. In the piece, Time magazine explained that in 1997, you also couldn't do an episode about masturbation, you couldn't do an episode that touched on abortion, even though other TV TV shows had done so 20 years prior in the 1970s. So it's it's interesting. We constantly think we're moving forward, but the 90s was a real regression in a lot of ways. Yeah, the 90s were quite conservative, as were the early 2000s. I mean, we had a conversation on this. I can't even remember on what episode, but it was about- Miley Cyrus. Yeah, about the Disney purity thing and how it was so important for Disney stars to be- mm abstinent and incredibly pure and this seemed to last over the course of about 10 years in public discourse now as soon as the episode was announced there was a lot of support for it the gay and lesbian alliance against defamation which is now known as glad created a national day around the episode people were planning on hosting viewing parties and the gay and lesbian cultural center in la said this is a very big deal for us we have a great sense of relief and joy yeah but the episode announcement didn't go down well with every Everyone in the public and naturally, which is so frustrating when this happens, the show was receiving backlash before it had even gone to air. Like people had already made their minds up before they'd watched a minute of the episode. For example, Reverend Jerry Falwell, a famous American Christian pastor, referred to Ellen as Ellen Degenerate. Yeah, it's just so incredibly awful. Two advertisers as well, JC Penny and Chrysler announced that they would not continue sponsoring the show. 
Chrysler explained their decision to the New York Times at the time. We don't think it's a smart business decision to be advertising in an environment that's so polarised. It is not a content issue at all. We don't want to sit in judgment of what a TV show is doing about sexual preference. It is a business decision about trying to stay out of the fray. The environment around this is so angry, we feel we lose no matter what we do. Yeah, the American Family Association, which is a conservative watchdog group that we've actually touched on in a few scandal episodes, also came out strongly against the show. They said they were unhappy that it was providing what they saw as a one-sided view of, and I quote, homosexuality as a normal, natural or alternative lifestyle. They warned that consumers would boycott the companies who were willing to sponsor the episodes. It is like, it's crazy to think this was happening when we were born. Like we were three years old when this was happening and to think that this was so recent, like I know it was two decades ago, more than, it's still really sobering to think this is how companies dealt with this. This is how the public responded to it. Like it's all just fucked. Yeah. And things certainly aren't perfect today by any stretch, but I think Noticing now, looking back, how polarizing things were and how angry and how loud this all was says a lot. Back to this Oprah interview, though, right? Because this was huge, Mm. this chat. On this episode of Oprah, Ellen was actually also joined by her girlfriend at the time, the actress Anne Heche. Now, as soon as Ellen came out in Time magazine, gossip pages were filled with rumours about her and her suspected girlfriend. They had been spotted at two parties together. Yeah, it had turned out that they had met at a Vanity Fair Oscars party earlier in the year. Anne shared on Oprah that she, and I quote, saw Ellen across a crowded room, not knowing anything at all except how I was just drawn to her. I was not gay before I met her. I never thought about it. But then Anne said, souls connect. And there are times when souls come together and they are just meant to be. I was no more surprised than anyone else, but my soul was meant to be with hers. Yeah, they'd actually been dating for a matter of weeks when Ellen came out publicly. Ellen said that after that, they spent a lot of their time hiding from the press, that they weren't able to go anywhere, that even getting off planes at airports was just a nightmare. Yeah, I really feel for both of them because this was like a three-week-old relationship that was then being dragged through the media. Anne said that she was not at all expecting to be thrown onto the cover of gossip magazines and have her relationship be written about everywhere, but said, and I quote, it is actually very exciting to be a representation of not only truth but of love back to the episode though Zara because we know that when the Oprah interviewed aired the Ellen episode aired that night and in that episode Alan Morgan also came out as gay it was famously called the puppy episode and was watched by wait for it 44 million people So many. That was almost three times the show's usual numbers. In the episode, an old male college friend came out to Ellen. Ellen then slowly realised that she was attracted to the friend's female colleague, played by a real-life friend of Ellen's, the actress Laura Dern. We love Laura Dern here at Shameless Big Fans. Oprah Winfrey also made an appearance in the episode. She played Ellen's therapist. A bunch of other celebrities made cameos as well. Demi Moore and Billy Bob Thornton appeared in the app. Yeah, they found that that was their way of showing support just by literally physically being in this space. I do appreciate that. Absolutely. I think it's really lovely. The episode ended with Ellen's character sort of awkwardly sitting in a lesbian coffee house, unsure of how to navigate this environment and her sexuality. 
Now, no surprise, the episode was a huge rating success and even went on to win a Peabody and an Emmy. But the backlash that Ellen and her colleagues faced after this was huge. Yeah. Take Laura Dern, for example. Laura later revealed that she couldn't get an acting job for more than a year after the episode aired. And that was particularly wild because it was only months before the puppy episode that she had gained international recognition for her performance in Jurassic Park. I feel like this is all coming kind of 360 because now the new Jurassic Park is about to come out and Laura Dern is, of course, starring in it again. But the fact that she couldn't get work is crazy. Yeah, she said there was certainly backlash. I guess we all felt from it. She said that not getting work at the time was awfully terrifying, but said she was grateful for the extraordinary experience and opportunity to be part of the episode. I mean, they were making history, but they certainly didn't deserve what came after it. She later told New York Magazine, what was amazing, which I'll never forget, is that when Ellen looked in my eyes, she said it was the first time she said, I'm gay out loud. We didn't rehearse it. So when she said it to me and was looking me in the eyes and holding my hands and I felt her shaking, the gift, it makes me want to cry. The gift of that, the intimacy of what that means was such insight for me. Yeah. Laura also later revealed to New York Magazine that her security, her personal security was threatened both during filming of the episode and in the years following. She said that while this episode was being filmed, a group of police had to swarm the set and told all the cast members they needed to leave because there was a bomb threat. She also said, and I quote, we all spent the next couple of years really struggling in work and safety. It was radical to experience that. It was the only time I ever experienced having to have a full security detail. As for the show itself, things didn't go that swimmingly following the Poppy episode. The storyline for the fifth season focused on Ellen's sexuality and her love life, but the ABC network added a parental advisory notice to six episodes because of the quote-unquote adult content. There was literally a black screen shown at the start of the episode that said, this program contains adult content, parental discretion is advised. Yeah. Alan also said the show was only ever really promoted as an afterthought in season five. For example, we need to think back in the old television days when the network would do kind of a back-to-back ad for all of the episodes and all of the series coming up. Ellen's show would only be mentioned last and very, very quickly as if it was an afterthought. Yeah, ratings for the show totally fell throughout season five and it was actually cancelled by 1998, just a year after the coming out episode aired. In 1998, Diane Sawyer actually sat down with Ellen, but she also sat down with the CEO of the network at the time, a guy called Bob Iger. I've mentioned Bob Iger because I quite liked his uh, <laughs> memoir. But this let- is a complicated uh, part of the episode for Zara. <laughs> You'll see why in a second. So Bob Iger, Diane Sawyer and Ellen DeGeneres sat down to talk about this And the cancellation of the show. Yeah, and Diane Sawyer kind of framed it as, and I quote, a fierce debate about what happened. Did Ellen torpedo her own show by pushing a gay agenda or did the network pretty much abandon her? So they discussed in this interview that ABC found that 13 of the 21 episodes focused on being gay or having gay relationships. Ellen was also berated with questions about whether the show was, and I quote, too gay, and whether 13 out of 21 episodes 
mentioning gay relationships was too many, to which I really appreciate her reply. She said, no. And if I could have, if it wasn't a struggle every week to get it on air, it probably would have been more. Yeah, I love that answer. Ellen also told Diane that she would rather the show have gone down a pioneer than have the show renewed. She said, if I just had this one year of doing what I did on television, I would take that over 10 more years of being on a sitcom and just being funny. Now, in that interview, as we mentioned, Diane Sayer also interviewed Bob Iger, who also, as we said, was the president of ABC at the time. Iger, who I have mentioned before because he did go on to become the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, did refer to being gay in this interview as, and I quote, a sexual choice and also referred to being gay as a sexual tendency. Yeah, he claimed the show didn't end over, and I quote, its gayness. He said it ended because of its sameness. This is the quote. It became a program about a lead character who was gay every single week. And I just think that was too much for people. I think Ellen was driven by a very powerful inner passion that made it absolutely impossible for her to slow down. So like reading between the lines, come out as gay in one episode, but don't be gay every week. Don't, as if Don't like, go too hard. But yeah. It's, like, it's your whole identity. That's like, who it's, you are. It's who you are. Giving like the friends parallel. Imagine being like, okay, well, Rachel and Ross are together, but we're never going to discuss that again. Or like, we're never going to talk about Rachel Green's relationships yeah. and romantic pursuits ever again. Or who she's interested in. As for the content warnings, Ellen argued that her show had been discriminated against. She said that there was another show on the network that featured a character kind of comically grabbing another man and saying, shut up and kiss me. And the network actually used that clip to promote the show. She also pointed out that there was another show called Spin City, which showed a gay male character kissing a straight male character in a scene. But because neither of those actors were gay in real life, it didn't get a content warning. Now, she said a similar kiss on her show did. She said, it is okay to make fun of homosexuality. You just can't have genuine feelings and hold someone's hand. Then you get a disclaimer. She said those content warnings felt so, and I quote, degrading, and that because of who I choose to love, I got a content warning. Yeah, when this was put to Bob Iger, he responded, I think in the spirit of absolute honesty, I would have to suggest that to some extent there is somewhat of a double standard here. Bob Iger, I mean, did not come across the best in this interview. You can only hope that his stance on this would have changed substantially over the last couple of decades. Yeah, but the only thing I do appreciate is the transparency with that quote, being like, yes. yeah, to be fair, we probably were wrong. Yeah, completely agree. I think he owned it. Yeah. The, the sexual, sexual preference choices and tendency stuff not, can not all get in the bin. Not the best. Some people in the gay community actually even came after the show. People like Elton John said publicly at the time about Ellen, shut up, just be funny. You know, my sexuality is not such a big deal to me. Now, what's really fascinating about this is in a pretty recent interview with Dax Shepard, Ellen looked back on that time. Here's what she said. During that time, because there was so much talk about it, everyone was just sick of it. And even though I had only done the cover of Time magazine, a primetime special with Diane Sawyer and Oprah, those are the only three places I talked. People were reporting on reports and reports and reports. Yeah. And even Elton John said, shut up already. Oh, we know really? you're gay. Be mm. funny. And I'd never met him. And I yeah. thought, what kind of support is that from a gay <laughs> yeah, person? Especially, yeah. But everybody assumed I was just nonstop talking about it. It hurt my feelings. I was getting jokes made at my expense on every late night show. People uh -huh. were making fun of me. It is interesting. And I think we have a tendency to do this a lot when people are... 
I don't know, maybe going through a scandal or going through a really hard time in their life. If they dare talk about it one, two or three times, we act like they actually physically can't talk about anything else. When in reality, Ellen was quite deliberate and thoughtful and intentional with when she talked about her sexuality. She did a couple of TV interviews, one big print interview, and that was it. She kind of left it and then let her craft speak for itself. But the public acted like she was suddenly incapable of talking about any other topic. Yeah, when in reality, it's actually the media that is incapable of talking about anything else because they were just writing incessantly about it. Now, Ellen said she got attacked from people saying her show was too gay, as we said. But she also said that she got letters from people who said they didn't harm themselves because of the program. Yeah. As well, on a much nicer note, Ellen also spoke to Diane Sawyer about her girlfriend, Anne. She revealed in the interview that Anne had actually proposed to her and that she had said yes and that they would be, and I quote, the first ones in line as soon as it's legal. She also said they were talking about having a kid and that she would personally personally carry the child, but they would have to do it, and I quote, in the next five minutes because I'm getting old. Yeah, so I think it's important at this point to ask the question, like, what did this episode do, this single episode, the puppy episode, do for queer representation? Because even though Ellen was cancelled, there's no doubt that the puppy episode and I guess the entirety of season five helped so many queer people and advanced the representation and rights of the queer community more broadly. After the show was cancelled, Ellen did read out letters from queer fans during the interview with Diane Sawyer on primetime. One person wrote to her, I would just like to thank you again for giving me the courage to be true to myself and letting me realise that I'm not a nasty, sick person. Mm. Another person wrote to her and said, the courage and pride in myself that I've found from watching you is so wonderful to feel for the first time in my life. Yeah, looking back, The Guardian has written about this episode and how it helped expand queer representation in film and TV. A year after that puppy episode aired, NBC actually launched Will and Grace, which was a show, as we know, about a gay man and his straight female best friend. And that ran for eight years. Queer as Folk also premiered in the UK in 1999 and a US Canadian remake ran on Showtime from 2000 to 2005. As The Guardian wrote, looking back, queer representation on screen, and I quote, matters a lot. For LGBT people to see themselves represented on screen is a vital part of not feeling alone and feeling accepted. And for straight people to see LGBT people on screen normalizes an experience that may not be their own. Ultimately, it works out better for everyone except homophobes, but they'll be fine. (laughs) A 2015 poll by Variety found that Ellen DeGeneres did more to influence America's attitudes about gay rights than any other celebrity or public figure. But Ellen's enormous bravery, I think, was perhaps not rewarded like it should have been at the time. Her show, as we know, was cancelled and for the next three years she said she really struggled. She later told People magazine, People were making fun of me. I was really depressed. And because of that and because the show was cancelled, I was looked at as a failure in this business. No one would touch me. I had no agent. I had no possibility of a job. I had nothing. Yeah, she said that at this point in time, she was really fucking angry too and fair enough. She told W Magazine, I thought I earned this. I didn't get this because I was beautiful. I didn't get this because I had connections in the business. I really worked my way up to a show, a sitcom that was mine, that was successful and that was on for five years. I did what was right. I came out, which was good for me. And ultimately, it was the only thing I could do. 
but then I got punished for it. I was so angry. I was just so angry. Magazines were tearing me apart. I was the punchline. I guess that's why I'm sensitive about negative comedy because I was the butt of every joke. I was the punchline and it hurt. And my relationship was very, very public. Then I lost everything. And ultimately I lost that relationship. But I had to look at my part in it and I had to look at and understand other people's side of it. I expected everybody to understand right away. I still think I was right. But I got to learn how to sit back and watch other people and learn what judgment was and have compassion and learn that not only was I strong enough to make it in the first place, but I was strong enough to come back and make it again. How lucky am I to have learned that? That took a lot. I wanted to crawl up in a ball and climb in a hole and hide forever. I was embarrassed. That's why I look at it as a blessing. What a quote. I really like, I know Ellen has her flaws as we'll discuss in episode two. You cannot take this experience away from her. So inspirational. And like what she did, that that stat you gave earlier about that survey in 2015, that she changed the way homosexuality and gay rights were viewed in America more than any other public figure. No one can take that away from her. And that is colossal what she did. Yeah, absolutely. Like this experience can stand alone. And so can the next one that we'll talk about later. But you cannot take this experience away from her and you cannot take the struggle away from her or discount how tough that would have been. She later explained it was a blessing because, and I quote, I got to learn that I was strong enough to start over again. And in episode two, Mish, we're going to tell the listeners exactly how she did that. I can't wait. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Scandal. Thank you so much to our researcher, Justine Landis-Hanley, for all of her incredible work on this one. What a story. What a, a fall and then a subsequent rise that we're about to talk about when it comes to Ellen DeGeneres. I cannot wait for this next episode and I'm just bloody glad that we got to do this i know guys we are on instagram at shameless podcast and tiktok at shameless underscore podcast we will be back in your ears on monday thanks so much guys bye bye shameless media This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.